Hi, and welcome back to the Extemper's Bible Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Shruti. The first major of the year is now done, and with it is a new champion of Extemp at the UKTOC. Joining us is Pierce McDade, so give us a quick introduction about who you are. Uh, hello, I'm Pierce McDade. I got a university high school in Normal, Illinois, um, and I'm really happy to be here. First comment, what a normal name for a normal high school. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty common name. Um, I, we get it confused a lot with other high schools. I know at the check-in for, the, uh, for TOC, they, like we said, that we were from University High School, and then they pulled like two other University High Schools before they got the correct one. Yeah, so it's definitely Isn't a name there that one gets in Florida? confused a lot. There's, they're everywhere. Yeah, Florida, I get, on Extemp Central, I get confused for being from Florida a lot. I know there's one in California. Uh, there's an all-boys school called University School in Ohio. They're all over. Who got the idea to name a high school university? That's like, that's a problem. Yeah, but it probably elevates, it makes our high school seem better than it actually is. Okay, let's, let's get into the actual questions now. Starting with, how did you get started with extemporaneous speaking? Why'd you choose this event out of all of them? Yeah, so my first ever speech tournament was um, middle school nationals when I was in eighth grade. Uh, and the reason I went to that is because my dad actually knew the speech coaches at the high school. So I kind of tagged along with them when they went to nationals. Um, and at that time, the speech team at the high school had a, a very talented extemper uh, named James Hahn, who had actually been in the um, final round of IX just like the year prior. And so I was like, wow, they're really good at this. I want to do this too. And so that's what I did. Um, it was the event that I was certainly most interested in. I definitely was very interested in like politics as a, a middle schooler. So it kind of fit naturally. Um, but also the tournament I did like impromptu NHI. I actually did better in those events than I did in Extemp. I did not do very good at Extemp. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking about current events and, and politics. And so I kind of stuck with it through all four years of high school. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. Wait, what was your HI on? Oh, it was it was a Don Zalitis piece called "The Internet Is a Distract." Oh, oh look, a kitten. It, it was it was really goofy, um, but I was kind of a goofy kid back then. You're you're not anymore. Well, a little bit now, but I've found ways to channel my humor in uh, in better ways. So you mentioned James. Do you have any other extemp crushes or role models that you look up to? Um, not really in particular besides James. I'd say James is the person who I looked up to a lot kind of throughout high school. Um, definitely the person I've sort of been compared to the most throughout high school. Um, but really just a lot of people on the circuit. That's a lot of what I sort of attribute to my success to is in like my very early days of extemp going back and watching uh, the NSDA final rounds and really trying to learn from everybody on that stage, you know, uh, the kind of intricacies that allow people to be so good um, at the event. And so there's been many, many people throughout my career that I've sort of looked up to. Um, but then also part of my like growth and development is, is finding ways to bring myself into a speech and, and to add my own spin on to extemp um, in ways that make my speeches kind of more meaningful and uh, a little me a little bit happier with the sort of result and output uh, that I produce. So with that, 
how is the Illinois circuit like? What is, you know, speech and debate? What is forensics? What is extemp in Illinois? Yeah, Illinois is certainly sort of like not the normal circuit um, for a lot of people that I talk to on the sort of national stage. Illinois is a very strong, it's a very talented circuit that does very, very little uh, national competition. Uh, and so a lot of times, like you don't hear a lot of, you know, people from Illinois at things like Nat Circuit tournaments, but we do have a sort of very vibrant forensics community with some very strong competitors. Um, so the state itself is kind of split into three different categories when it comes to like in-season tournaments. A lot of times, like the Chicago area, Northern Illinois, will have two or three tournaments each weekend. Um, and there's like Central Illinois. That's where I live. Um, and, you know, usually we'll have a tournament every weekend. Um, and I go to some of those. And then sometimes we go up to Chicago or sometimes I go to some of the national circuit tournaments and there's Southern Illinois, um, which I also go to sometimes. Uh, and then like central Illinois and Southern Illinois are grouped together, uh, for like the sectional, which is the second part of our state series. And then, uh, for our district as well. So like our district is, if you just take the middle and the Southern Illinois and combine them. Um, so it's a very, very talented circuit, um, that just doesn't do a lot of national circuit competition. Um, but that doesn't make it any, you know, any less competitive, in my opinion, than any other state. So do you compete like every single weekend? Yeah. So um, our team is probably speech team, I don't know, 30 or 40 kids. Um, and I'd say about 20 of us, you know, go to a tournament, you know, each weekend during the regular season, usually in central Illinois, sometimes in southern, sometimes in northern. Um, but really every single weekend from the last end of October all the way up until districts, pretty much everyone is competing at some sort of tournament. Would you say competing that frequently? Like, do you get like burnout or, you know, ever experience problems with that much competition extent? You know, not really, uh, because a lot of the tournaments are sort of close to home. You know, it's not like I'm traveling across the country every weekend. Um, and so a lot of times it's just, you wake up, you know, relatively early, you hop in the vans, you drive, you know, 30 minutes or an hour to go to a tournament and you're back home by, you know, six or seven. So it's not too much of a time commitment, you know, compared to traveling across the country. Um, and I have a lot of fun doing it. You know, um, the whole team is relatively close and, and it's really nice to be able uh, to sort of support the more novices on our team and, and watch them grow. Um, so if anything, it's really been a very rewarding experience. And I don't feel like I've experienced too much burnout um, for the most part, especially because it's not too much of a burden going to tournaments close to home. A tournament finishing by six or seven. That's like unheard of in Arizona. Yeah, it's really nice because um, then usually I'll be able to, you know, do something on a Saturday night. It doesn't even feel like it's a, you know, full day commitment. Um and sometimes we'll even get uh, back home before the sun goes down. Those are always my favorite. Always have fun at locals, especially if they, you know, end early. You could do something else later in the day. Uh, but then let's jump to like some more national tournaments. I think the first national you went to this year or this season was Glenbrooks. So how was that? If you even remember anything from way back then. Yeah, Glenbrooks was a lot of fun and it was certainly a long time ago. Um, 
it was the first Nat Circuit tournament that I went to this year, and really the first Nat Circuit tournament that I went to in person, pretty much ever, besides like an SDA. Um, and so it was definitely a tournament that I went into without any expectations. I didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, but it was a tournament that was like a uh, two hour, two and a half hour drive from my house. So me and my dad went up and I competed. Um, and I had a lot of fun. I actually, you know, certainly had more fun than I thought I would. Um, I really enjoyed Glenbrooks because uh, I got to meet a lot of people. Um, competing in Central Illinois is great. You know, I love spending time with my team, but there's like at max like 10 to 12 extempers every single weekend, usually like six or seven. And so you don't really get to meet uh, a lot of people. And so being able to meet a lot of new people and, and make a lot of new friends and sort of bond over this event that we all love was was really fun. And so that's, you know, what I remember most from Glenbrooks. That's what I look back most fondly upon um, from Glenbrooks was not only, you know, being able to do what I love at sort of an elevated stage, but also meet a lot of like really cool people that I've been able to build bonds with over the course of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Glenn Brooks. Pierce, weren't you like the only Illinois kid there at the tournament? Yeah, that's that's what I've never understood of, about the Illinois circuit is that like I understand there's this thing. I don't know if it's the thing against going national, which is something that doesn't usually happen. But with a tournament that's in Illinois, I don't understand why it was the only extemper from Illinois to actually go. You know, especially because I, you know, still drove, you know, two and a half hours to get there, where for some people, that's a 15 minute or 20 minute drive, but teach their own, I guess. And despite being the only Illinois kid to go to the national tournament in Illinois, you still ended up on the final stage. So at least you're representing your state there. Oh, yeah. Got to represent Illinois. And then your, I think your next national tournament was the GMU. So how was that for you? Yeah, so I had a lot of fun at GMU. Um, I thought it was a well-ran tournament. Um, I went with my mom this time, so it's just me and my mom. Do you, wait, wait, do you always go with your parents to tournaments? They just always tag along? Yeah, usually because I'm the only person that goes. Like, if it was a team tournament, um, then obviously my coaches would go with me. Um but for a lot of these tournaments, I sort of have to finance um, myself, and so it's usually just me and my parents. Have you had any team tournaments like this season? Um, not any like national um, circuit ones, except uh, for ETOC coming up. I am going with my coach and uh, a teammate of mine, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, back to GMU. I was like there by myself and so um i didn't really know anyone else at the tournament so i had to meet some new people and i ended up befriending uh, a group of boys from the university school in ohio um, and that was a lot of fun <laughs> they sort of adopted me um like at the award ceremony they kept cheering my name and i even got to be in their um team photo afterwards uh, so that was really cool uh, as a whole, I thought the experience at, at, at GMU was great. Uh, I had a great time, you know, meeting people. I thought the questions were good. Um, you know, I was happy with the competition. I was happy with the result. So 
GMU is definitely a tournament I'd recommend. Elaborate on the adoption process. <laughs> well, you know, I just started talking to them a little bit, you know, sat with them at lunch. And before long, I met basically every member of the speech team and every member of the debate team. Uh, we played some football. We rode on some scooters. GMU had these, like, robot food delivery machines um, that would, like, deliver food from a restaurant to a dorm, I guess. So we had a lot of fun sort of getting getting in the way of those and seeing how they reacted. That's just menace behavior. <laughs> You're stopping the little robots from delivering food. You got to fill the downtime at speech tournaments somehow. Yeah, but conducting a legal activity. That's one way to do it. I think next up is MBA. Is that right? Yes. I think that if I remember correctly, there was a travel story involved. Yes. Okay. So this was a tournament MBA. I went with my uh, coach and my dad and we were planning on flying. Uh, there's like a direct flight from an airport that's like 30, 40 minutes from where I live straight um, to Nashville. So we're driving there and I was looking on my phone at, at our flight because I needed to see what time we got in. And it said something like delayed nine hours, delayed 10 hours. But I just assumed it was a glitch. So we just kept on going. Uh, so we get to the parking lot. We park the car. And we hop in the shuttle to take us from the parking lot uh, to the airport. And the the driver asks, oh, you know, where are you going? And we say Nashville. And he said that, you know, he had heard from some other people that it had been delayed, you know, this like nine or 10 hours. Um but, you know, we decided to go in and check anyways. And I guess so many people had been asking about whether or not the flight was actually going to be delayed, that they just had the representatives sort of standing at the door saying, like, yes, 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 the flight is delayed. Um, and so basically, if we had sort of stayed and taken the flight, we probably would have gotten in. I don't know if it was like 11 or 12 and then had to get up, you know, very early the next day. Um, and so that was not really an option that we were going to take. And so we decided to drive. Uh, it was like a seven, seven and a half hour drive. It was certainly interesting, but it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world. It was a pretty easy drive, luckily. Uh, you know, we're lucky that we lived so, you know, relatively close to Nashville, um, that driving was a possibility. But yeah, it's, it was certainly, you know, a wrench in the plans to start at VA, but overall it was a really good experience. You know, I thought flying by Southwest was bad, but... Do you have any opinions on the graph? Yeah, I thought the graph was really fun. Um, honestly, in this whole debate about the graph, I'm, I'm sort of impartial. Um, McKinley, like, you know, kept saying the, how bad the graph was, but I thought it was really, really funny how Adam kept trying to show her the graph and put the graph all over her desk um, and all over the door. You know, I didn't look at the graph. I didn't study the graph too hard because, you know, you can't even tell which one you are. Um, so it doesn't, it's more psychological mind games than anything. You can't really gain anything from it. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it hurts that much. And I think it's sort of a funny and unique aspect. So I'd say I'm impartial towards the graph, um, but I do enjoy seeing everyone bicker about the graph and whether or not it's good. 
I mean, other than like the one line at the very bottom going all the way through. Yeah, yeah, we all knew who that was. <laughs> and so I thought it was really funny how like the one person is vehemently against the graph is the line at one. People kept yelling about that line too, you know? <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if, by, not, by not looking at the graph, she still knew that there was a line at one. Like, we were all talking about it. I mean, other than that, it's all like astrology for extempers, pretty much. That's a really good yeah, way to were, put it. Yeah, people were just standing around studying, and I don't think anyone could correctly guess their line. Just such a strange tournament. I think Jack Rivaris actually did. Oh, really? Uh, it, was, it was right after like the second fun round, and he he like coined it the Dolly Parton effect because he played yes. Dolly Parton. And he he literally. Saw, oh, I was like, in that round. Yeah, I there was, was like a round. dot that dropped, <laughs> or like it went up like by t- three spots. And oh, he was wow. like, that's got to be me. And he was right. He was right. <laughs> wow. That was a fun round for sure. So there are some people who play the game and some who just live for chaos. What's, what's the next tournament on the chopping block? Next tournament would have to be Emery, right? I think so. Uh, yeah, Emery. I had a really fun time at. Um, I had a fun time at all these tournaments. I have a very positive view of all of these speed tournaments. Um, Emery was... Very fun. Uh, I got to see a lot of the people that I met at NBA, um, which was a great time. I thought that the the rounds were pretty good. The topics were pretty good. Um, it all ran pretty smoothly. I'd say my one kind of quirk about Emory uh, that is maybe a more negative thing was the whole like one door in and out thing um, was, was certainly interesting. And how the like... Uh, you had to have your name tag on at all times. I thought that was really funny. Wait, elaborate on the one door in and out, because I forgot. Yeah, so like the speech, or at least the extent, I don't remember, was all within like three different buildings, but the buildings were all connected. And so they told us that for security purposes, we could only go through one door, like in and out. And that you could like reach any of the buildings through like this one door, um, which I thought was a little overboard for security. But what do I know? They also name tagged everyone. Yeah, so you had to have your name tag on at all times. Otherwise, you would get like kicked out of the building. Uh, I was really good about wearing my name tag, but sometimes the people that I was with did not have their name tags on. Uh, in which case, I would make fun of them and you know tell them that they need to leave. What a narc. <laughs> it's like, it's the name tag please on them. And then, finally, the UK TOC. So apart from championing the entire tournament, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I had a lot of fun at UK TOC. Uh, this was another tournament. It was with my dad and my coach. Um, and they kind of just chilled out and judged. And I just kind of did my thing. Um Really, for a lot of speech tournaments throughout the year, I just more look forward to like seeing my friends more than doing the actual thing. Uh, not that I don't enjoy doing extemp, obviously, um, but it was really nice to catch up with uh, all you guys um, and just hang out with people and then do some extemp on the side. I thought for the most part, the questions were good. Some of the questions were really vague. Like I know in the first round, one of the questions I pulled was, is the United States investing enough in science and technology? Um, which might be like the broadest question. 
I've ever pulled. And then I subsequently put it back very quickly. Um, but other than that, you know, I thought that the question areas were good. I thought that the round areas were certainly uh, more unique and specific than a lot of tournaments um, who generally just do like this continent and then this continent and then this continent. This was like global health or like um, other things like that, which was, you know, certainly fun to talk about. Um, and I thought as a whole, it was a, it was a pretty fun tournament. Um, it was well run the whole three day model where it was like three rounds the first day and then four rounds and then one round I thought could be revised a little bit. Uh, but I understand that they have a lot of rounds to get through in many different events. And so sometimes you just got to do weird stuff like that. If I remember correctly, you had some very interesting points in some of your speeches, like, uh, more professors or something <laughs> graphic design yeah. by the government <laughs> yeah 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 um so yeah so one of my speeches was about how the uh how congress can sort of restore trust with the people and so i was doing my research and i came across this brookings institution article that sort of said if we make the bureaucracy easier to deal with you know people would trust the government more and i was sitting there like wow that makes a lot of sense because the most frequent interaction that a citizen has with their government is like dealing with government programs. And so by doing things like making government websites easier to navigate or like um, having more online availability uh, for certain things and not requiring people to go to like physical government offices, like it actually increases trust because people like their government more. Um, I thought it made a lot of sense. I know Teddy Gherkin agreed with me. I got some criticism. Uh, for using that point and then maybe the more uh, controversial of my points uh, came in the uh, quarterfinal round when I was talking about uh, whether or not China would be the next sort of technological superpower um, and I said that China would have a programming edge um, because they're going to produce more STEM PhDs in the future um, than the United States is and I had like some evidence to back that up I also had other evidence in that point and like testimonials that was not you know, like the sole evidence for the entire point uh, for all the flack that I got for using that. Um, but clearly it worked, it resonated with some judge. And so I'm, you know, obviously not uh, too dismayed with the outcome. They say, you say evidence, but then I look at your outline and it literally is just evidence because there's nothing on your outline. It's kind of scary. It's just sources. Yeah. On my outlines, I just put, you know, question answers, sources, and then I'll sort of pencil in the jokes to the side. Um, sometimes I'll put like, you know, like one, two, three word descriptions of what the evidence says. But I guess I've just been doing extent for so long that I'm able to sort of pencil in a source on the flow and just remember what it said. Um, so I guess that's a gift of consistent practice and then doing this for over four years now. Oh, I was like, I was gonna say there's like two ends, you know, there's Kevin's outline where no one can read what he's saying. And then there's yours where there is just nothing on there. <laughs> well, you know, it's extemporaneous speaking. And so you got to make some up on the spot. You can't, uh, can't write it all down beforehand. So it's always a fun game. If you just put the source down and see where the speech takes you. Like the graphic design point, it makes sense. But like, who at the Bro who, who at the Brookings Institute is getting paid to think of that? 
Dude, the Brookings Institution will put out some, like, fantastic articles, like, the most interesting points ever. And because the Brookings Institution, like, has the credibility, it's, like, really easy to use. Like, it's not like you're using some random person off Twitter who's, like, <laughs> comes up with this random idea. Like, it's a very credible institution producing some very, like, unique extent points. And I will forever be grateful for the Brookings Institution for that. I don't know. It feels like a bunch of Redditors just decide to whip up a think tank one day. Yeah, you guys would be familiar with that. <laughs> Speaking of Reddit, here's what was the subreddit you were browsing quite often throughout the whole Kevin, tournament. you too. You too, Kevin. Yeah, you too, Kevin. Um, you know, during during the college admissions process, I, I liked to view the college admissions Reddits. Uh, you know, R slash college admi- or uh, applying to college, uh, college results. So it was a very fun one um, to look at and see where people got into. Don't act like you are not into that too, Kevin. Um, but really, I was just you know helping out people like Trudy applying to college next year. <laughs> you should have seen them. They were every single break just huddled around. Hmm, which yeah, college should this random person I don't? <laughs> By looking at college, you guys are both. You guys are seniors who've already got it into your colleges. This is what doesn't make sense. Right. So, like, there's no stress in viewing that kind of stuff anymore. It's just fun. There's no point in viewing that type of stuff. It's doling out entertaining advice to juniors exactly. who are in desperate need of the information. <laughs> We're just trying to help you, Shruti. Yeah, like, I was paying attention during that. <laughs> you know, I think that Nathan Kai was really the glue of the group. He really glazed it all together. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very fun to hang out with Nathan. <laughs> I'm just so, like, the transition, it was just like, <laughs> you know, Pierce, you you made a promise, didn't you, TOC final speech? I asked you, like, a several um, dozen times. Yeah, a, a promise was certainly made. Was that promise followed through? Um, the promise was not followed through. There was a hand gesture. Uh, I, I honestly, I honestly forgot. <laughs> uh, I apologize for that. Um, but no one else in the final did it, so it's not only me. Personally, I think if you had done that, you would have gotten straight ones. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Oh, speaking of that final round speech, what did you talk about and what do you remember, like the positives and negatives of that speech? Yeah, so the question was something like, is the rise in leftist leaders in South America... Um, you know, like bringing the continent in a positive direction or something like that. Uh, And I said, no, I said like they weren't helping the economies. Um, Corruption was rising um, and and violence and and crime are rising as well. Um, Like there's a few things I sort of remember from like the prep and the speech. Uh, I tried to make like good jokes and I think I, I think I did. Um, I know, like my my AGD was about uh, Jared Bolsonaro moving to Florida, and that being like another reason not to go to Florida, um, which I thought was really funny because uh, two of the judges were actually from Florida, <laughs> um, but I think they both agreed with me. Um, I made a joke about inflation being high, um, and Fifty Cent having to change his name if he moved to like Argentina. I think it was. Um, and then a few other jokes. I always try to make jokes in my stem speeches, especially in like final rounds where I know I'm going to have a big room um, where I'm going to like actually get laughter 
um, versus a lot of times it's like me and a single judge and I'll make a joke and then no one laughs and it's awkward. Um, but something I certainly remember from the speech was my timing was like way off. Um, I was like maybe settling in to my second point. Um, when uh, Mr. Gaddis gave me the three and like the expression on his face was like, what are you doing? Like your timing is so bad. Probably still pissed um, off at that Florida joke. Yeah, maybe he was. Um, but luckily I was able to like bring it back. I think my final time was 719, um, which was honestly really surprising considering I transitioned like to my conclusion, I think at the fist. Um, and so I was glad that I'd not go over time. Um, I don't know. As a whole, I thought it was like a pretty good speech. Um, I wouldn't say it was my best speech ever or like close to it by any means. Um, but I think I was able to put together like a solid speech that brought humor, that brought emotion, um, that brought sort of like content and logic and warranting. And then I guess all of that combined and I was able to win. So I thought as a whole it was a success. You know, every time that I've encountered Gaddis, I always think that his time signals are kind of whack. They're distracting to me. You know, he does like the the three fingers sideways for like 15 seconds. You count down to five or to seven. Yeah, you know, the whole time signal thing, I was just like, I was, I was running so low on time. I was like, no, please don't put up another time signal. Please don't. <laughs> Bro, I had like eight time signals. <laughs> yeah, but, but luckily, luckily I was able to keep it in time. So I know finals didn't have extemp Cossacks. I don't know if that's like a thing they usually do at TUC finals, but personally, would you have wanted there to be Cossacks or not? Yeah, oh my god, I love Cossacks. Cossacks is my favorite part of extemp. Um, I do a little bit of debate on the side. I love debate. I love Cossacks. Um, Cossacks is so fun because you get to like poke holes in people's arguments, but you also like get to defend my point. And I feel like a lot of times in cross-ex, I'll find myself, like, when I'm getting crossed, actually, like, stating my points and defending my points far better than I explain them in the speech, you know, which usually makes me feel better about the sort of, like, argument that I'm making. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I, I love cross-ex. I think it's great. I really wish that TOC had it. Um, but I'm looking forward to, like, ETOC, uh, which I think will have cross um, and then hopefully making it to the NSDA rounds that do have cross. So we'll see about that. I feel like I say it almost every episode, but petition to just put cross at every single round at every single tournament. Every yeah, round. honestly, that would be amazing. I think NBA reformed me. Like I used to be a cross X hater and then just being forced to do cross X every single round made me appreciate it so much more. After MBA, it just feels integral to the event because you attack other points and you have to defend your own. And it's like the essence of extemp, you know, think of the argument on the fly and be able to actually defend it. So next we're going to talk about like, what was your click moment? The realization that you're you know, actually pretty good and that you were able to improve pretty quickly in a short amount of time. Yeah, so... I don't know if there's like one clear to find moment, um, but there's certainly one that I sort of remember from my sophomore year. Uh, it was during a practice speech 
uh, that I was just giving to one of my coaches. It was something about Somali pirates. Um, and I sort of like, was like stumbling my way through the speech. And then like for some reason in my mind, I was like, oh, wait, I don't have to stumble anymore. And then I didn't. And like the rest of the speech was like so clean and such great delivery. And then it was like that like newfound confidence, like even if I don't have like the skills, like thinking that I do and like understanding that I can do it if I like think I can, that like actually, in my opinion, sort of led me to be a more cleaner speaker with like better delivery and better argumentation. Um, so I like distinctly remember that moment where I don't even know why, but some switch was like hit in my mind. It was like, oh, wow, I can be like this really clean, polished speaker. Um, and that kind of coincided with the time that, so like, obviously we had, um, you know, James Hahn on my team before my freshman year. Uh, then we had a really talented extemper named Nick King, who was a senior um, when I was a freshman. Um, and then two other extempers uh, named Kaylin Kierskater and even Shin when I, w they were seniors when I was a sophomore. And so when it came to like going to like local tournaments and stuff, I can never like, I would always do like, all right, but I would never do like amazing. Like I wouldn't ever win the tournaments um, because I had these like really talented seniors on the team. And so this kind of like fast paced growth of extemp that I saw sort of toward the end of my sophomore year coincided also with then, um, you know, then graduating and then coming into junior year with sort of like the mindset that I can go into any tournament um, and try to win it. And so that was sort of like the moment of big growth for me was at the end of my sophomore year. It's like a child getting object permanence. Don't stutter anymore. Of course you would make that analogy, Kevin. Of course that's the analogy you would choose. So next, do you have any thoughts on camps or whether they actually helped you or beneficial to your growth? Yeah, so uh, I went to one camp. Um, it was the summer after my sophomore year. I went to Utnev. Um, it was online. And so it was online and, you know, like many, many different things during um, COVID, it was sort of hard to stay focused um, when you're doing things in an online format. And so um, I thought it was obviously a really good experience. Um, I did learn a lot. Um, but when it came to things like the video lectures they had, I certainly got behind um, in the video lectures. Um, I certainly was not paying attention to some of them. Uh, and so I apologized to my father who paid for the camp. Um, but when it came to like the like actual like live instruction and like live performance and stuff, I thought it was really good um, to keep me fresh sort of over the summer um, when it came to speaking. And I know the one thing that I really worked on at camp um, with with Randy specifically was sort of like going away from like a, a speech voice that I had. Um, like everyone has a speech voice, I guess. Like they don't, very few people like will give their speeches in, in the voice they usually talk with, um, which is usually a good thing. It usually means, you know, less stutters, um, less filler words, sort of more polished, uh, better tone speaking. But mine was like terrible. Like it was like up and down. My sentences were like a roller coaster. And so something that I really worked on at camp was like trying to get rid of that. Um, and then substructure too. Nev taught me a lot about substructure um, that I thought was really helpful and um, stuff that I still use today. Uh, so as a whole, I probably didn't get as much out of camp uh, as I probably could have. 
Um, but I'd still say it was a pretty positive experience. And I'd still say, you know, I learned a lot and it definitely helped me grow. And then what would you say is your biggest challenge in XTEM uh, and how you're working to overcome it? Or if it's something that you've already overcame, what was it and how did you manage to go through that process? Yeah, so as I um, kind of mentioned, as I was sort of developing an extent my freshman and, and sophomore year, there were some like really talented extempers that we had on our team. And so I kind of like learned and developed by watching them and learning from them, which was like really helpful in sort of establishing the foundations of extemp, um, but also kind of trapped me in this box where it wasn't exactly clear like uh, that like Pierce was coming out in the speech, um, if that makes sense. And so sort of combined with the whole like speech voice thing, my speeches just did not seem like I was giving them at all. Um, I wasn't really able to bring personality into the speeches. And that was sort of a problem kind of throughout my sophomore year and even a little bit in my junior year as well. Um, but certainly working to overcome that uh, in a few ways. Um, the first is through like the introduction of humor um, into my speeches. Like I had humor before, but a lot of the jokes I use now are just you know jokes I come up with, jokes that I personally find funny. Um, and sometimes the judges or audience don't find them funny, but I don't care. It's 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 me. It's my my humor, uh, and I like to incorporate it. Um, and then impacts as well. Um, rather than going through this like checklist of an extem speech, um, I try to like really think about the meaning of the speech. Um, and, and where I can take the speech sort of in that regard. Um, and then like through that and through like sort of finding this unique meaning in the speech, um, through making it impactful, I sort of found a way to bring myself more into the speech and, and, and have myself be sort of more involved in the speaking process. And so I'd say that's sort of like my biggest challenge and it's still something, you know, I'm sort of working to overcome, but it's definitely something I've made a lot of progress on and I found much more success as a result. Do you have any favorite news sources, books, or even theory that you like to use for XTEM? Yeah, so I know this one is absolutely never said on this podcast, and I know that no extemper has ever said they like this news source, uh, but I have to go The Economist. <laughs> um, I think The Economist is a great news source um, for a variety of reasons, but The Economist is like the most um, widely applicable news source, in my opinion. Um, a lot of times the economist will start their articles off with like either like a human interest story, which is really good for something like an impact or like a really quick historical context or quip or like pun. Um, then I can sort of like dress up or like use the essence of as a transition or a joke. Um, and then within the sources um, themselves, a lot of times they'll have like a general overview that's really good for like an A and a point. Um, but then sometimes they'll also have like really good statistics or they'll have really good analysis that's really good for like the B of a point. And so I always find myself sort of turning to The Economist um, because I can use it anywhere in a point and because the articles are so unique that a lot of times they give me like new ideas for points as I'm sitting in prep. Um, and I will say I also really love The Economist podcasts. Um, I'm a pretty busy person and so sometimes I don't find the time to read. Um, but I'm able to like listen to a podcast while I'm driving or working out or something. Um, so any one of the economists' podcasts, I love them very much. Um, they're always very like uh, interesting, entertaining, and they bring up really interesting stories. And then a lot of times in those stories, um, you also find just more like general information that then you can also use in a speech 
that's not even related, you know, to whatever specific topic they're talking about. So would you say your favorite podcast is the Extemporous Bible or the Economist podcast? Um, you know, I personally, right now at this moment, I'd have to say the Economist podcast, but probably after this episode comes out, you know, just because I'm so great, uh, maybe it'll be the Extemporous Bible. Okay, great, great validation. Real sensible, real sensible. <laughs> I'm a humble guy. Then what is one source that every extemper should be using or should be reading? Yeah, so like me personally, because I don't do uh, sort of as much reading when it comes to tournament preparation anymore, like I always find myself turning to like the New York Times or Al Jazeera to just give me a quick rundown of like all the top stories that are happening, um, you know, usually the week of a tournament. Um, so I know those are like sort of basic stories, but something like Al Jazeera just churns out articles, um, you know, especially about the Middle East, but also, you know, other international hotspots. And then like New York Times or Washington Post will churn out articles, obviously, for more domestic stuff. Um, and so I find myself going to those news sources most often uh, just because I sort of need quick reads on the hot topics. Um, whereas maybe if I have some more time, I'll do things like go to The Economist um, for some like more unique or in-depth analysis. So what do your practice routines usually look like? Like how many hours reading versus how many speeches a week? Yeah, so I used to read a ton, um, but I don't anymore. Um, I mainly give speeches now. Um, so during the season... Um, Extemp's like not the only event I do um, when it comes to Illinois Circuit. Uh, I also do impromptu. I did some oratory this year. Um, I've done almost every speech event. And so a lot of times I find myself giving two Extemp speeches a week, um, sort of during the normal course of the season. Um, But then in the lead up to a big tournament, I'll find myself doing, you know, three or four or maybe even a speech every day, uh, depending on what the tournament is. Like, I know in the lead-up to NBA and and the TOC most recently, I was doing a speech every single day. Um, So it kind of depends on on what the tournament is and and what my other event obligations are for that week. But I usually try to give two extemps a week. While reading, do you have, like, any prep strategies or life hacks that have made your life easier? Like, in prep specifically? I mean, just overall, like, prep, outside of prep, in extemp. Yeah, so um, outside of prep, like I try to read some, um, but I usually just don't find the time to do it. And so, like the podcasts are really great. Like that's the one thing that I'd suggest to anyone who finds themselves sort of struggling to find time to read is to listen to podcasts. Personally, I've cited podcasts. I don't know if that's a widely done thing, um, but it's like the same thing as a news article. And so I like to cite podcasts. I find it can help replace reading um, in a lot of ways. Uh, And then in prep, some sort of, I guess, tips that I might have um, is to really go for sort of like in-depth analysis. Um, I know I'll get some like coaches who would disagree with me here, but I usually spend like 20 to 23 minutes at my computer and prep, really developing sort of a complex, in-depth analysis speech, um, really focusing on things like substructure, really focusing on making an impactful six statement, really focusing on impacts. 
um, I think a lot of time there's this uh, sort of like notion that extempers should really be trying to cut that prep time down. And it's so important to practice delivery. Um, and it might just be me and it might just be sort of because of my experience um, delivering speeches for four years now. Um, but I find that a lot of times I'm most successful in the rounds where I've developed this really, really you know, well-rounded in-depth speech um, and then take some time, memorize the sources, memorize the points, and then go in there, give it off the cuff. Because um, if you have the preparation down, it should be a pretty good speech. So you mentioned podcasts a lot. Do you have any favorite podcasts that you like to listen to or recommend to others? Yeah, honestly, it's just it's just The Economist, like over and over. Um, I love The Economist podcast. There's like Intelligence, Checks and Balance, Money Talks. Uh, they all do different ones. Um, and a lot of times then you'll get, you know, different topics um, that are going on in the world. And a lot of times they're topical. Um, like you'll find they have, you know, sort of a daily podcast on the events of the world. And they also have some more like interesting um, podcasts uh, that kind of keep your attention. Because I know a lot of times sometimes the news is like a little bit boring. So they try to sort of interlace stories that are more interesting too. On the idea of sort of like citing podcasts, I think that we should go back to citing books, but then add podcasts and video essays. The amount I've learned from yeah. Vox video essays. Ooh. Oh my God, I love Vox. I love, yeah, Vox yeah. video essays, oh, they teach me like everything. And the editing is like so addicting. Like you can just fall into like a Yeah, it, no, I, I, I love those. Yeah, and then on the topic of books, I don't, I don't know about books, you know, fell out of um, fashion personally. I don't read as many books as I probably should. Um, but there's a couple books that I've read that like could be applied to extemp. I think like the one little trap to books is like, unless it's a specific book, like a lot of times people try to adapt this like broad theory um, sort of like into very specific areas of the speech that probably should not happen. But if you're using like, like, um, theory application like impact substructure then like i think it's i think it's great i think we'll jump to the rest of the season uh and that's pretty much just nationals up until like june so what are the next tournaments that you're planning on going to yeah so i'm going to etoc uh and the national and then nsda nationals um and then that's it that's my that's my career what are you competing in at NSDA Nationals? Uh, I'm competing in IX. So do you have any like competitors that you're excited or afraid of in the next few tournaments? Um, I don't I'm not really like afraid of anyone. Um I like try not to focus too much on the competition aspect of it. I just like to go in there and have a fun time uh, and to see, you know, my friends. Um, so certainly people that I'm excited to see at some of these tournaments, uh, like all the Plano kids, um, McKinley, Teddy, you guys, everyone. Um, I think it'll be a fun time um, at both these tournaments coming up. And I'm really excited to just close out my um, my career, you know, at tournaments that, you know, I should enjoy um, both in terms of competition and just with people that I've like grown my relationships with. Um, I'm really excited. I think it, I think it'll be a really fun time. And then finally, on to reflections on Extemp. Are there any rule changes that you've ever given thought to? Rule changes. 
I think Extemp as a whole is a pretty well-ruled event. Um, I do think, like we brought up earlier, the addition of more cross-ex uh, would be a fantastic rule addition. Um, but other than that, you know, you can get nitpicky here or there. Um, but I think as a whole, Extemp fosters um, a pretty good sort of uh, community environment um, to bring up important issues that people are facing and 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 to learn more about the world and to provide your own commentary and argumentation on it. Um, so I think as a whole, there's no rule changes, maybe besides the additional more cross-ex um, that I would try to sort of put in place. Do you have any advice that you would give to your freshman extemper self? Um, so sort of as I was talking about earlier, is like find the find the meaning in in your speaking. Um, I think speech as a whole is an activity um, where there's a lot of meaning, obviously, in, in doing something like finding your voice. Um, and especially in extent where you're considering these really, really important issues with really, really big impacts. Uh, I think a lot of times extempers try to sort of um, put themselves in, in, in a box. Um, obviously, the number one rule of extemp is to like answer the question. Um, and so, you know, by all means, answer the question. But I think sometimes we fail to consider um, exactly what our answers mean um, for real people. And so I think taking, you know, each and every speech just that one step further and showing the real impacts can be really important. Um, but in also helping someone um, find meaning in, in what they're doing and really find the power of their voice um, when it comes to helping empower other people. So I know, you know, for a lot of people, it might feel like it's just giving this, you know, speech over and over. They might, you know, start to get burnt out, but, but really try to focus on the impacts in your speeches and, and really focus on how your answer is affecting real people. Um, and I think you'll find that by sort of building that meaning in your, in, in, in your speeches, you, you know, build the meaning of you doing this activity and of you competing in extemp. Um, and it leaves you with a much more fulfilling experience. What would you say is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? Yeah, so I don't know if this is like technically considered a piece of advice, but like the single um, like comment that sticks out to me most that I've ever received on a ballot uh, was at ETOC last year. Uh, I gave a speech about um, trans rights uh, in the NCAA. Um, and uh, Gustavo Lanz from uh, George Mason University wrote on the ballot, like, this is what extent should be pure advocacy. Um, and sort of what I was just talking about was the first you know, moment that I really considered, like the meaning and the power behind my voice um, when it came to the issue that I talked about. And that's been something that I've sort of grown throughout this year in, uh, which is really um, pulling those impacts, considering the weight of my voice, um, considering the weight of the impacts and the issues that I'm talking about. And so it's like that comment that sort of opened my eyes up to this idea then my speech can be a lot more than just answering the question or be a lot more than just existing in that one round. Um, and that's something that's helped me, you know, stick with it and amplify my participation in the event this year um, and given me a much more fulfilling experience. Any favorite or least favorite questions out of the last four years? Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, you know, I usually struggle to remember my question like, five seconds after the speech ends. Sometimes I struggle to remember my question when I'm uh, transitioning back to my conclusion. Um, I think 
I have like favorite types of questions and least favorite types of questions. Um, I've really enjoyed the hypothetical rounds that I've participated in. Um, I just think they're fun. I know that at ETOC last year, uh, the semifinal round, I think it was, was hypotheticals. And they were all about Dr. Doofenshmirtz and Dr. Doofenshmirtz did this or Dr. Doofenshmirtz did that. And, uh, you know, what's going to be the result of that? Or there was a hypothetical round. Um, it was Glenbrook's finals. Um, mine was about like Puerto Rico becoming a state and who the state senator would be. Uh, and the reason I like hypothetical rounds so much is because you don't find, you know, as much research on the topic um, necessarily because it's like obviously hypothetical. And so what I really enjoy about that is that you have to sort of piece together now different sources to sort of make an argument. I feel like a lot of times in extemp, um, you know, some people and myself included kind of can fall victim to just restating, you know, like a piece of scholarship or, or an article that we find online and just restating the argument of that article. Um, but hypotheticals require you to sort of craft a new original argument um, because you're in sort of a unique hypothetical situation. And so I think that's sort of my favorite uh, sort of round topic or round theme of having the hypothetical rounds. And then last but not least, and I think certainly a very fitting question for you is what are some of the best AGDs or on tops that you've ever given? Yeah, so I can't obviously, you know, give too much away. Uh, <laughs> secret, out of my secret writing process, of course. Out, out of my secret jokes. Um, but I'm a big fan of like short, snappy AGDs. Um, they can't be too long, partially because I'm the type of person uh, to run over time. Um, but also because like you need to give the audience um, sort of a quick laugh. Um, and there's a few AGDs um, that I can kind of, uh, you know, like call back to. Um, I love AGDs that make fun of like political leaders. Um, Russian President Vladimir Putin is a big one. Um, I know Russia, Ukraine has obviously been a major topic now uh, for over a year. Uh, so I love to point out the sort of hypocrisy of his image in the Russian media, you know, shirtless, uh, fighting bears and riding horses versus, you know, he's not on the front lines of the war, but he's doing what he does best. And then talk about the problem of the speech. Um, I love the Jair Bolsonaro, Florida joke. Uh, I can think about a hundred different punchlines for that one. Um, I like, uh, there was a student loan speech I gave where I made fun of, um, it was right after, uh, president Biden had forgiven, like $10,000 of uh, federal student loans. And Mitt Romney came out and said that he was like bribing voters. Um, and, I, and I pointed out the sort of hypocrisy there in that President Trump literally sent out stimulus checks with like a big gold presidential seal, like from President Trump, um, just like weeks before the 2020 election. Um, so yeah, those are like so, so, some of my favorite AGDs. Um, I obviously don't remember a lot of the AGDs I've used sort of throughout my career. Um, but generally the ones that point out like hypocrisy or make fun of, you know, international political leaders, um, I think personally are really funny. Channeling that HI energy, I see. Yeah. Luckily I was able to move away from, you know, the interb events and um and you know channel my my humor elsewhere. Any last words to leave with our listeners? Yeah, I I guess I say a little bit. Um, uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's been a great time. 
Um, I know that like for a long time in my extemp career, um, sort of like isolated it in Illinois. Um, I didn't do a lot of NAT circuit competition, um, certainly before this year. Um, I remember like sitting uh, in my basement during COVID watching the NSDA final rounds and like wondering, oh, how can I get there? How can I be good at this event? Um, and really, it's it's all about consistent practice. It's all about finding meaning in what you do and why you're doing the event. And sort of the understanding that if you put the work in, um, the results will come. And that, you know, you should always stay with it um, and really focus on, on what your speech means and why your voice matters. And really understanding that and, and putting the work in is what will allow you to succeed. Thanks for listening to the Extempers Bible Podcast. And if you're interested in more free Extemp resources, including weekly questions and content briefs written by some of the greatest Extempers, be sure to check out our website, extempers.org, and our Instagram page at Extempers Bible. We'll hopefully be back with the finalists of the last three tournaments in the year, eTalk, NCFLs, and NSDAs. So if you want to join us, you better stay reading.